Hello and welcome to the Bit About Podcast, the podcast that aims to tell you a bit about an interesting person. And my interesting person today is Ben from the Lover of Tech channel. Uh, how are you, Ben? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Really, really happy to be here. And um, yeah, it's been a while since we've sat down and had a talk. It is. I mean, if you've, if you've listened to any of our podcasts or watched any of our live streams, uh, I mean, we, we've been known to sit here for hours and hours, but we'll try and keep it <laughs> under an hour or around an hour um, and uh, and see where we go from there. So firstly, Ben, uh, I've got you on here because you're interesting, right? So what do you do? Well, I hope I am interesting enough, um, <laughs> but I will I will keep up to date to what I do currently in terms of day-to-day work and profession. Uh, basically, I'm a freelance tech video content creator and tech journalist. So I predominantly produced videos on consumer electronics, such as mobile phones, tablets, computers, TVs, things that your ordinary people would buy every two to five years. And um, I also write articles for different, you know, blog sites and publications um, from time to time. And that is pretty much me in a nutshell for what I do day to day. Yeah, so uh, you're pretty in pretty in depth with the phone stuff. I know you like to dabble in a few other bits of tech as well, like especially on your YouTube channel. Um, but with uh, with the Sam Mobile stuff, um, going pretty deep on the on the mobile stuff, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, a, a lot of the foundation of my content and the things I cover has been mobile phones, and that's been since I would say 2016 July. Um, when it comes to video content and obviously still sticking to video, but then transitioning to having to, you know, write articles from time to time online for different publications and blog sites and also dabbling in different types of products as well, such as, you know, audio stuff, you know, truly wireless earbuds and um, headphones and stuff, you know, just because I travel a lot and living in London, having to go on the, you know, tube and underground is very noisy. So yeah, all those things peak interest for what I do. Sure. So um, one thing that is slightly unrelated, I mean, it's somewhat related, but I wanted to bring it up anyway, is I remember a, a long while ago, you helped out Jonathan Morrison with a video. Was it the Galaxy Note 8? Is that what I'm thinking of? Oh, yeah. So this was Galaxy Note 8 uh, back in 2017. <laughs> sure. Five that, years takes ago. Me, that takes me back. 2017, that was the Note 8. You are absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Um, that's Mr. Jonathan Morrison from TLD. And um, that was such an interesting time because I think him and Crystal Laura must have come from USA for a Nokia event. I believe it was a Nokia event. And we must have met up in Trafalgar's, um, Trafalgar Square in central London, you know, getting to meet one of the people that, you know, you've been watching on tech YouTube for years before you started getting into it, it was like, it was a refreshing time, you know, and I think we hit it off and yeah, I was able to, you know, have the opportunity to kind of help him out with his video, which was strange, but very interesting. <laughs> sure. How did that come about? Did you just know that you had the phone? Like, did you reach out to him or like, did you have any like prior uh, experience talking to him? Or how no, did that come no about? Prior, no prior experience. I love this story because, um, it was, it was around August, September period. And I, I think that time is when usually the Note series get announced. So this is the Note 8. So this would have been a return of the Note in the UK because UK never had the Note 5. We ended up having the S6 Edge and then we know the ill-fated Note 7 and what happened. So this was the return of the Note 8 
and the Note series for Samsung since the Note 4, funny enough, when you could have a removable battery. So I think Jonathan was in London and he posted, hey, we're just going to have a meet up. You know, we're going to be in London. We're going to be in Trafalgar Square. And at the time, I worked for an agency that represented Samsung. And that was um, in central London, Oxford Circus. So I was like, man, that's a great opportunity to like stars aligning and meeting someone like that for the first time, right? So the meetup was, you know, fantastic. It was great. It was like, oh, wow, you know, getting to meet him. It was really good. I met different people that I'm still in contact with, funny enough, right now. Um, some of them are in the industry or, you know, have actually helped me indirectly and stuff. And yeah, I had I had the Note 8 before announcement, funny enough. So, you know, he actually followed me on Twitter and he actually posted one of my YouTube videos on my channel at the time. Oh. I, I think I must have had like maybe 200 subs. I wasn't really doing anything relevant on YouTube enough for it to be worth anything, in my opinion. But then that kind of like just hit off our relationship because I just messaged him. I'm like, yo, I didn't expect you to do that at all. You know, I really appreciate you doing that. You know, it's just um, talking, talking, talking. And through that conversation, he realized that, oh, I've got the Note 8, you know, and I've got access to it and stuff. I think for some reason, he must have struggled when he got back to USA due to scheduling reasons and whatnot and didn't manage to get the Note 8 sent to him. I think it was a breakdown in communication with his Samsung PR in USA. So he just reached out and be like, hey, are you able to help? Like, I don't mind having to pay for logistics and stuff and pay for the device. Like, do you mind having to get that sent over so I can get my video down? And if you, you know, if you do that for me, like I'll be more than happy to plug your Note 8 video because I know that you're actually doing really well in terms of the come up. And I was like, yo, like, sure. Like, I'm I'm happy to help if you, if that's something you want. So yeah, from then we just hit off and... Yeah, it was great. It was great. From then, that video did really well for him, as you would expect for someone of his sure. size yeah. and stature. And then, yeah, just kind of plugged my video at the end. And although it was right at the end, the response for people actually coming in was good. And what I'm always grateful for is that people stayed because kind of getting plugged or shouted out, as people call it, is one thing. But when people stay and actually appreciate what you do or what you're trying to do, it's really reassuring. And... um Sure. Yeah. yeah that, that was that was the story behind the Note Eight, 2017, taking me back. <laughs> yeah, that must have been near enough the time that, or oh, maybe a little bit before me and you started talking, because yes. we, because I I think we spoke because I saw your podcast and I was like, uh, can I please come on your podcast? It's sick, uh, or, or the live stream, <laughs> and you were like, the more the merrier. So I I i followed you and we, we did all that stuff and then from there obviously that opened up the communication between me and everyone else that you were already uh friends with at the time uh, so damien alex and that and 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 tom as well and then we kind of just went from there and now we got a little like youtube group thing it's like oh yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah no it's um it's crazy that like whole period i mean my channel was on the come up around the same time as yours um and uh, i guess we kind uh, of we grew alongside at that time um yes. and it was just a crazy time for tech youtube i think it was uh, uh, a different experience that you you probably can't we'll probably never experience that the same kind of thing again um yeah, but it was just I really agree. exciting i agree uh, and it was it was um yeah i've always wanted to kind of hear the the full story behind that Jonathan yeah, Morrison, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so thing. it's so funny you say that because I've not actually had a chance to 
tell the full story in that retrospect. So it kind of takes me back. I'm like, wow, okay. That was that was that was different times. That was different times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so sorry, I I deviated from the from the nah, topic. Not at, at hand all. Here. Not at all. Let's um not at all. let's talk about what your day to day looks like. Uh, how many? So a couple of questions. I I mean that's quite a general question, but a couple of things I really wanted to delve into is how much yeah. time do you, or maybe in a percentage, if you could come up with one, do you dedicate to Sam Mobile? and to your main channel or other things that you do? Because I know that you do a bit of freelance here and there as well. Um, yeah. So you're a really busy guy. It's kind of lucky that we got you on the podcast, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, just like how how do you manage all of those things at once and not get just completely lost in your work? Well, some people say I'm running a version of Android that actually enables multitasking. So that's kind <laughs> of... <laughs> yeah that's not wrong that's probably that's probably i'm not i'm not running on ios so i think that's good <laughs> sure. but um all jokes aside um i don't know i sometimes i really don't know how i actually organize it. i think i'll give you the worst case scenario which would be august so august month that just went past um i produced in total of 45 long form videos across sam mobile and my personal main channel lover of tech there's other channels that i've got in terms of lover of cameras Lover of Cars, which is just about to start up as well, as well as obviously the Cut Down, which is more of like the news podcast channel. And obviously you've got Sam Mobile as the main channel, but um, that's the peak of probably the most amount of videos I've produced in a month. Um, scaling it back to how the day-to-day -day looks like, I think I dedicate 100% of the time to Sam Mobile, as well as to my personal channel. Now, Sam sure. Mobile is basically treated as a nine to five, nine to six, or whichever way you want to put it, right? Yeah. So try my best to start at nine o'clock, plan whatever I need to plan beforehand um, in terms of the day before or on the day and pretty much execute it from full scripting on a video, which can be between a thousand to 5,000 words, depending on the scale of the video. Um, you know, shooting A-roll or voiceover, shooting product shots if there's a product that, you know, needs to be shot, which predominantly tends to be the case because with Sam Mobile, you're covering a lot of Samsung products and services. And then also editing. So, you know, editing, sound design and everything that's put together. And just making sure that the video is um, executed and goes live no later than end of day where it can catch a good amount of audience and traction to get the viewership and retention. And um, I work alongside, you know, the the writers and editors and what they need to put alongside the soundmobile.com website with the video and the articles that they write as well. And um, pretty much just push that through from then. After that, I literally, you know, have what I like to call like a interlude or uh, a one hour to two hour break and pretty much start on my personal channel. So I'm kind of like around the clock. So the way I've learned to really be efficient is to really, really overthink and plan ahead above all, right? So the power of scripting has really helped me. Having a format and a way of scripting effectively and efficiently has really helped me to be able to batch script different types of videos and content together and then know how to, you know, record them back to back and edit them back to back so that they can just be batch scheduled, you know. So that's sure. really helped in me understanding the type of videos I want to make. But most importantly, the type of content I want to consistently make that makes it easier to have a template and a workflow that makes 
you know, having to work and produce that content a lot quicker. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, especially, you know, having family, kids, you know, as well as other extracurriculars that, you know, I'd want to do with, you know, trying to relax for myself, go to the cinemas, try and catch up with friends and family and, you know, other stuff to squeeze in. That kind of is what my day-to-day looks like at the moment. Sure. So, um, just, uh, rewinding a little bit, just cause I, I'm a little bit unsure, but I just want to clarify. So when you record these, or you plan ahead, you record these uh, or make these videos in batches, right? Because mm. the way I do it, I tend to do it, is I'll write like five videos, then record the A-roll for those five videos, then record five different sets of... I tend to do it in that order as a, as opposed yep. to just doing um, the whole video and then working on the next. Uh, just because yep. I find it easiest to set up that way with the setup time for filming that mm-hmm. it just makes sense makes sense to do it that way instead of tearing it all down is, is that what you do or do you do the videos uh one by one nah absolutely exactly that so i try to do that 90 percent of the time as much as possible 90 percent of the time as much as possible and then the in-between videos that are more reactive um you know maybe doing a reaction to an event or product and maybe you're very excited in both a good and a bad way of how you want to attack your early opinions on that product or service that's been announced that's more instantaneous because you don't have to go through the step of doing product shots so you know the turnaround can be quicker but the full-scale reviews that we tend to you know like doing yeah that's pretty much been the way that i've done it especially with scripting to really just help make it so much more effective and efficient especially when you get to the edit you know especially when you get to the edit yeah yeah um slight uh tangent here but i remember you saying uh, a while ago that editing is your least favorite part of the process would you would you still say that after now you know converting to a more batch oriented uh workflow as opposed to create you know taking more time on your videos would you would you still say editing is your least favorite part yes it will always be my least <laughs> favorite part. I will never, I'm sorry, I will never ever like or love editing enough to um, somehow it magically become my favorite part of sure. the creation process. I, I've lied to myself many years like, oh, I'm yeah. eventually going to really love editing. Nah, I've just, I've just half a decade plus over, I've just learned to accept that each person to their own has something about the creation process that they really look forward to regardless of how strenuous the work is they look forward to that part so much because that's what makes them enjoy doing it every single time editing is not one of them i mean i've i've invested in equipment that has really made editing so painless but that still hasn't made me all of a sudden oh wow i love editing now it's just it just takes too much time and i think maybe it's a it's a it's a mix of how much content I produce on a regular basis to maybe it's just not the part that I enjoy, right? So sure. yeah, it's still the same, mate. <laughs> okay, so so flipping that on its head then, what is your favorite part? What and and if it if it is um if it's something that's new, what changed? Like so for example, maybe you uh, your favorite bit was A roll, now it's B roll, right? What 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 bit is your favorite and why um why now more than ever in your current workflow is it still your favorite part being in front of the camera honestly i've just learned to accept that being in front of the camera and finally getting to talk about the product and services good bad and in between 
I've I'm I don't get bored of it. Like if anything, I hunger to do more of that. Even when I'm struggling to do it, as in whether I'm fumbling, making mistakes, I'm having so much more fun having to talk about the tech and the stuff that I want to talk about. Because one of the reasons I've I wanted to do this anyway is that I'm a very chatty person. I'm a very kind of extroverted person where I mingle with people a lot, right? So I'm I, I when it came to tech, I never really had people that I could really express the kind of nuances. You know, the type of conversations you have, the nuance of tech, not just the normal, it's a phone, but like the, the little intricate details and the intangible emotions. I never had that. So being in front of the camera, once I broke past the initial, I don't know, 10 videos of being shy in front of camera, you really started getting into your flow. I realized how much joy it had where I had a place to just share that with people. So being in front of sure. the camera is like my favorite part of, you know, the creation process. And funny enough, the precursor to that is when I started learning how to script my videos, right? I started realizing that scripting was a challenge, but scripting always felt like a fun challenge, right? It's a challenge, okay. but it was a fun challenge because you're learning how to put how you'd normally talk on paper and then repeat that to make it sound as naturally as possible. And when you yeah. learn how to do that so well, how people engage in terms of retention time on your videos and resonate with you, it's so different that it just motivates you to keep doing that all the time, right? So those were always the two. What then came after was B-roll. I used to find B-roll such a pain to do, yeah. right? And I think product shots became a pain because, you know, equipment space and not really understanding your how to get the best out of it well but quickly right yeah 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 you know you're seeing people doing all these outdoor stuff and you're just by yourself um you might not live in the most absolute safe area short daylights in uk rains all the time so you don't want your equipment to get um damaged so you're in just your your little boxed flat with no flavor of like you know set design or anything it, it all those things used to put me off but i think yeah, as time yeah. grew and i learned how to optimize the space that i have to get the best looking product shots and not overthink it i started getting i started enjoying it more and then as much as being in front of the camera i started realizing that because because of how creating videos ended up getting me into like camera equipment and how much i ended up enjoying the knowledge of video cameras from how they work to the codec and the editing workflow and stuff, I started to realize that, hang on a minute, I actually like using the camera and being behind the camera and being a cameraman as well. You know, sure. that's actually a fun process that I didn't think I would actually enjoy. And that was never a reason why I got into video making, you know, so that's literally been it. And then the stumbling block was just editing because one, maybe it's the software, but two, it always felt like that's when I was either the most tired and I was actually facing the most technical issues where I'm like, just work. I want this video yeah, to be yeah. out there for people to see so I can have energy for the next fun project, not this strenuous part, you know? So I think that's just a um, creation process for me at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty. That sounds like you enjoy most of it. It's just the end bit you yeah. don't really like. But um, no. but but to that end, what what got you started? Because you did mention like why you may have got into video editing. Uh, sorry, not video editing, video creation in the first place. Um, what kind of you know? Because there's always like one catalyst to make you start with YouTube, and I'm guessing that's where you started with this. Um, so where did uh you know where did that come from? Where did that energy come from? 
uh, just to, to start making videos? It was there always. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was there all the time. My, my, my thing was procrastination and a bit of fear. You know, if I, if I look back at YouTube, you know, back in 2008 and 2011, 12, when I was in university, I was posting like PC build videos, but to my Facebook channel. Like, I don't know why sure. I was doing that back then, but I should have really been posting on YouTube. And a lot of people were like engaging well on Facebook, but I should have really been posting it on YouTube. Then obviously the second movers advantage happened with, you know, you know, like uh, I think guys like Zona Tech, Supersaf that came in on YouTube on like 2010, 2011 and that after like, you know, your guys like Marquez, MKBHE, and, you know, you're watching them all the time. And then your their, their stuff that they're putting out there, you have a different take and opinion. Why? Because I was working in a phone shop. You know, I started working after university. I was working in telco cells, you know, like with the likes of Phones For You, RIP, Vodafone, EE. So I had like a ground knowledge of not just the phones from like a nerdy technical level, but also from like a average person from different demographics, different area, different stores. And what goes in their mind when it comes to their buying decisions, right? Sure, so yeah. that always fueled me to like, man, I, I just want to talk about this stuff as well. Cause I can, I can see so much of what is and what isn't from both sides of the story, right? So I got to a place where I, I started getting access to these devices myself. So I, I was like, there's, there's absolutely no excuse, right? Um, these smartphones are shooting in 4K. I think I, my first smartphone that I was using for YouTube videos was the iPhone 6S because that was the first yeah, iPhone to yeah. start shooting 4K. So I was like, man, these phones are shooting 4K now. Great video. I've got access to these devices, new, used, in between. You know, like I have no excuse. And I think the catalyst was actually my older sister, my older half-sister. She's based in America. And it was when the NVIDIA GTX 1080 came out. And that was like the final piece to my new PC build at the time that was also going to be like great for video editing. So I was like, I've got everything at my disposal now. I can't even make an excuse that I don't have a good enough PC to edit video, especially smartphone footage, right? I just got to go for it. I just yeah, got to go for yeah. it. And I think the most frustrating thing for me was, imagine working in a phone shop where you can't have geeky phone conversations with people that you work with because they're more sales orientated which is not their fault but it's almost sure, like yeah it's, it's this is such an odd environment i can't actually have the type of conversations i want to have with people with these products that i'm more passionate about than just selling alone to make a living mm. yeah so that was the catalyst that was the period of time man yeah that's that's pretty cool i i obviously i, I knew about your past working in uh, phone sales but I didn't really oh, yeah. realize how big of a deal that was I mean it kind of it makes sense now that we talk about it in retrospect but um yeah, yeah I mean that, that makes sense why you're um so into your specs so into your yeah. you know because you've got that sort of background um yeah. but but my, my next question would be if you could because you're now working for Sam you know fast forward you're now working for Sam Mobile your channel's doing really well you've got lots of ventures going on um what would you have done differently? Do you think, like you said, you would have started sooner? Just that procrastination got in the way. Yeah, start sooner and don't learn Premiere Pro. I, I know this is like <laughs> two of the most odd advices. One is very cliche and typical, as in I wish I started sooner, right? But I think life has its way of coming full circle. So as much as I wish I started sooner and not procrastinated and not allowed 
the fear of starting, getting away. The editing software that I use, I'm grateful for Premiere Pro for two reasons. It's industry standard. When I say it's industry standard, it's an industry standard because there's so much tutorials on it. So many of the great TV shows and movies are actually edited on that software. And just for the grandeurs of where Adobe has come in the industry from their whole creative suite and how it integrates with each other, it's great. I just think by principle, if you're solely doing YouTube especially, I think it's a bit odd that they don't offer a, a, a basic tier version that you can pay one off and own. Maybe it doesn't get all the new features every single month, right? Or every year, right? Microsoft does this. Microsoft have got their 365 suite where it's a subscription-based service. You get all the latest features straight away. But they do have a one-off payment software that maybe gets updated every two, three years, but you're not going to get all the latest stuff straight away, but it's still usable for a lot of people. And Adobe not doing that is something that I'm kind of against, but I'm so used to editing in it, not just for the sake of it, but so proficiently and so quickly that I'm able to produce intense videos in large quantities over a period of time. So I almost feel trapped into it. The reason why I say learn something like DaVinci Resolve is again, as of the time of this recording, one of my videos that's actually gonna go live on the channel kind of resonates to that, right? The software now works not just on Windows, but also on Mac OS and now iPad OS. And yeah, it can yeah, I saw that. In, yeah the, the projects can interchange across all of those device platforms. It's free. And if you want the Pro Studio version, it's just a one-time lifetime key, you know? Mm -hmm. The overhead of paying 50 pounds a month to that and producing what's going to give you probably the same output, if not better in some cases, when you consider stability, render times, and especially color grading, if you end up being someone that really goes down that route of editing style, that's two things I wish I would have probably done differently amongst other things. But those are the two that stick in my head at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I get you, especially with the Premiere thing. I mean, I've been tried. I've had uh, a couple of friends, um, Tom Bite Review and uh, yeah. Noah uh, Noah uh, Noah Herman, both of which hopefully will be on the pod at some point. Um, awesome. They both tried to convince me to switch over to Final Cut, and actually, I, oh. I used Final Cut Pro for two years uh, when I had a Mac Mini, and it was okay. But switching to Premiere, you just have so much more freedom. Um, mm -hmm. It just feels like a different. It feels like uh, using Windows Movie Maker uh, and then comparing <laughs> it to Premiere, you know, which is unfair because yep. I know that a lot of, you know, top flight YouTubers and even some like good cinematographers and editors use Final Cut and that's fine, you know, um, but it's just not for me. Switching to DaVinci Resolve, uh, I was tried, uh, I think um, Alex convinced me to try and do that and um, I just couldn't get on with it. It's too different. Like, like you said, if, you could, if you're going to start from zero, start with DaVinci, but I think it's such a different tool compared to Premiere um, that it's just like, if you're making videos on a, uh, you know, unless you, you're, you've got unlimited money and you've got plenty of time, um, it's kind of almost, if you've got a lot on the go, it's kind of impossible to do. Um, and uh, that's why I haven't switched over to that yet. But yeah, I get, I get what you mean um, in that regard. Um, so my next question would be, would, where do you want to be in like a year's time? Like, do you see yourself taking on a, a bigger role at Sam Mobile or, um, you know, maybe your YouTube channel goes well and you switch over to that full time? What, where do you think you will be uh, and where would you like to be in about a year's time? 
I would want to be fully independent just because of the gift of time that it will bring back. Right now, um, I feel more stretched thin than I would like to. I, I am I am proud that in a rarity that I'm probably one of only few people that can, you know, consistently churn out, you know, good, high, consistent quality videos in large quantity across different platforms. It is something to be proud of. But at the same time, at what cost and for how long, you know, um, you start realizing that time is the most valuable thing that you can ever have come a certain time, you know, whether it's as you're grown older or if you're in a certain situation, you've experienced something, you realize that time is very valuable. And I feel like I don't have enough time, let alone for myself, but just for different things and different people, right? I look at my kids and how my kids are growing, you know, they're going to turn nine and seven. There's so many key things that will happen in their life that I don't want to be missed I don't want to miss because I'm just working too much hustling or grinding, right? The grind and the hustle, as they like to call it. I don't really want to be doing that. And if I, if I can transition to a place where lover of tech and lover of tech media can be the sole focus, more just for time, I would be happy. And I think that's one of my motivating factors of why as much as I put 100% for any other jobs I do, whether it's client work, or other publications and blog sites that I would either write for or do content for, I still try and make sure that the reason why I had those opportunities, AKA lover of tech, still grows with the expectation of whether it's a year, two years or three years, it becomes its own entity enough where I can just treat that as the sole purpose of the nine to five job, right? And I get motivation from looking at other creators that have, you know, whether it's hit 100,000 subscribers or whatever, but got into a place where I look at them, they make one video a week. The video does well based on a mix of, let's just say, instantaneous views, long-term views, long-term subscribers, and sponsorships where they don't need to be pushing seven to three videos a week, right? I sure. think that gift yeah. of time to be able to put yourself in different places to experience life, right? Whether it's networking, holiday, family, I think that's so much more invaluable. And that's my, you know, that cliche question of what's your five-year plan? That's kind of like my five-year plan that I have in my mind mentally that I want to be, you know, where you can scale back and work even more efficiently and still yield either the same results or even greater so that time is given back to you to do other, other things at different phases in your life. So yeah, that's that's me right now. That's pretty that's pretty cool actually. I would I think I, I've got a similar goal myself. Um, just having that ability to give you more freedom, just so you can experience life a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> great answer. If the, if I had to grade the answer, that would be a great answer. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. Um, I appreciate that. So uh, look. Honestly, we've rattled through the main questions uh, that I wanted to ask um, pretty quickly. So now we get to talk about uh, the really fun stuff, which is, uh, oh, yeah. you know, what is your current? Let's let's just go through your current um, setup for uh, shooting, editing, video. What what gear do you use, and what are you the most excited? Like this is a question I got asked recently um, by someone which piece of your gear would you not change for anything like you know we can always upgrade laptops we can always upgrade cameras right but but is there one piece that you're you're really happy with and that you you know you don't see yourself upgrading even if you did have the money to do it 
Yeah, I would say my camera, funny enough, um, is two things. Actually, it's actually two things. My camera, my main camera, which is the A7S III. Expensive investment, but never has money been so well spent for the type of content I've done, you know, since kind of rebooting the YouTube channel from June 2020. Right, having gone through like the Fuji X-T4, which was fantastic. Landing, and, and, and I have multiple cameras, like the A7, A7, A7C, as well as the A7 Mark IV and the A7S III, but the A7S III is a workhorse. When I say a workhorse, trade shows, in-studio, low light, well-lit, the camera has pretty much not let me down, you know, and, and I'm a big proponent for whatever sensor that you buy, whether it's micro filters, APS-C or full frame especially, every shooting mode that you're gonna throw at it, it allows you to just use all of the sensors. So you don't have to second guess how your framing changes based on what you're actually trying to portray. And the A7S III is kind of like the first camera that has allowed me to do that to the point where every situation I've been in from whether going to CES, MWC, um, EFA Berlin, local events, it has literally not disappointed in terms of what it's been able to produce that within the first few months, it paid for itself. <laughs> sure, it paid yeah. for itself. So I I love it for that. But the second most underrated thing has to be my lighting setup. My main key light, okay. which is the Falconize RX-24 TDX Mark II. I say this because I think this was part of what made me start enjoying product shots understanding lighting. I kid you not, lighting design, audio design makes such a difference to how people resonate with what you're trying to produce, which is videos for us, right? And when I understood how to, and lighting is like a very, very dark art. <laughs> you know, it's sure, kind of like yeah. a cliche where lighting, dark art. But when you understand lighting, especially for product shots, it adds a certain level of engagement to product-based videos, which we are in, that it even makes you want to just shoot for no reason, right? When I understood sure. that and I invested in this light and I started realizing how good my product shots were looking, it made me enjoy the creation process even more. Like, wow, this is how like just even one key like shaped well, positioned well can make such a difference to your videos. Whoa, you know, so I would say probably those two things indefinitely. I will add one more thing that, I hate admitting, and it's gonna be weird me saying this, that I hate admitting, right? My 14 inch M1 Pro MacBook Pro, it is probably been the most clutch investment this year that even I'm surprised how good it is. I had a certain benchmark for this, that this laptop was a laptop that I needed to buy because I was going to Canada for about eight weeks to see my family. So I was going to spend my birthday and pretty much most of, sun, um, most of summer in Canada. And I realized that as a predominant Windows PC desktop editor and user all my life, I don't actually have an editing laptop, right? I've never needed it until now. You know, you, you're traveling, you still need to edit videos, produce videos, and I'm not going to carry my PC, right? I need an editing laptop. Sure. Lo yeah. and behold, Apple have decided to bring back all the relevant ports, like a SD card port um, slot and, um, you know, a high impedance headphones for the headphone port and so many different things. And I'm like, if there's a better time to try a Mac laptop, it's now, but I'm reluctant. Yeah. And I'm only using this laptop for editing when I travel, but I'm guaranteed still going to be on PC and edit, right? 
So I just sure, spent yeah. money on the bare bones base model. It has replaced my PC. I don't edit on PC no more. I only use my PC for live. You've joined the dark side. It's like I can't. Every People time don't I go understand back to my it. P People don't understand it when I when um you know why you've got a Ryzen processor and an RTX yeah. thirty eighty. Why do you edit on your mm -hmm. on your MacBook Pro? Because uh, it's it's a different experience. You can't really put it into words. It is it, it is game changing to the point where it's not just quiet. It's powerful. It's efficient. The keyboard is the best I've ever used on any laptop. And mind you, when I worked for Microsoft for a short period of time before I switched over to Sound Mobile, I was in charge of editing. I was in charge of producing all the content on all the Windows gaming laptops. So I had access to like the best Windows gaming laptops you could get to make yeah, videos yeah. on and benchmark and use, right? And this MacBook is just leagues ahead, especially when it comes to not just content creating, but just using it as a laptop it feels so nice right mm -hmm. and imagine having spent money on a 39 a 5900x ryzen 12 core 24 threads um cpu uh 32 gigs of ram an rtx 3060 with 12 gigs of vram and this scrawny in inverted commas right little macbook is running rings around when i say running rings around it i've never had an export fail ever I've never sure, had an yeah. error, right? And if you consider my most, my most intense video edit is my ultimate camera comparisons, which are mm -hmm. 20 minutes, multi-layer up to seven. You know, there's so much going on in those camera comparisons. I could never export them as a 4K60 file to really show it to people on my PC, even with my updated setup, Yeah, right? Yeah. And I love Windows. I don't like Mac OS. I just want to put it out there. I think macOS is just a very, very limited OS in my own personal opinion. Sure. Every time I go back to Windows personally, and I'm like, oh, I love Windows. But the performance is so good that I, I can't edit on I can't edit on PC anymore, especially Windows, because the turnaround time and the reliability, the efficiency and the power is so good that I almost feel like I didn't pay enough for the product. I don't feel that way about most things, you know. So yeah, I think I think those are the three things I'll add in there: my camera, light, and this MacBook Pro. It's uh, just briefly because uh, you you talked about the the MacBook there. Um, when the because you've got the the new M1 Pro one or whatever it is, yes. and I when I, I've had my Intel i9 MacBook Pro for uh, about two and a half years now. When they released the M1, um, I was like, oh, great. Now that they've released a, an infinitely better system, mine's going to be useless. Um, and about, um, I'd, I'm tempted to say 90 days, maybe two months after, uh, they released an Adobe update. And this laptop is maybe twice as quick as it used to be. So, you know, uh, an eight or nine minute video will render in like four or five minutes where it used to render in about 10 minutes. Now, uh I feel like a lot of render time, unless you are producing 10 to 15 videos a day, render time really doesn't matter that much, in my opinion, unless, you know, mm -hmm. your videos are taking 30 minutes plus, And then maybe at that point we can start talking. But with modern yeah. systems, render times are quick enough that you, you get a lot of people talk about Final Cut, a lot of people talk about uh, um, DaVinci Resolve. Oh, the render times are so much faster. That's why I switched. Well, I don't really buy that um, as someone who's, you know, dabbled in different editing softwares on the same system, you know, 
it doesn't make a huge difference. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, I, I've been using the MacBook ever since. I haven't edited a single video, edited a single video on my PC since buying this uh, because it just crashes in Windows. Uh, I've had some ridiculous audio issues in the past uh, three to four weeks on my PC. Um, mm -hmm. The same issues I would absolutely not have on my Mac and absolutely don't. So it's not that I, you know, love Apple. Uh, ideally windows would exactly. work but windows yeah. in my opinion is just one of the the buggiest like i hate to say it but the buggiest pieces of shit that i've ever used like <laughs> windows 10 win windows 8.1 was solid as a rock and never went wrong windows 7 solid as a rock but windows 10 is the biggest piece of shit actually i take that back windows 11 is the biggest piece of shit i've been having issues with my laptop on windows 11 i'm probably going to roll that back to even windows 10 or just install linux on it um whereas my my apple machine obviously sticks with mac os um yeah i know you love windows but i just i if it worked it would be great i loved windows 7 um but windows 10 and Definitely. windows 11 have caused nothing but problems and as someone who whose job it is who's uh you know full-time job is to fix mostly windows machines uh it's just it doesn't it never ceases to amaze me how crap that was let me give you just one example quickly um <laughs> Whenever I load up my audio interface on my PC, uh, which is now basically I don't use any interfaces on my PC, I will be switching okay. to a, a cheap USB mic because the um, I've got an SM7B, never works on my PC through an interface. <laughs> All the interfaces don't work. Interfaces can be plugged into my Mac, instantly work, no drivers, no nothing. But on PC, it's just a pile of shit. So um, anyway, I up until recently, up until I switched back to my 802020 USB on my PC, I was using the Audient Evo 4. Great interface, uh, lovely outputs, good inputs, um, but for some reason it's just a pile of crap at the moment. And actually when I was using it, uh, every time you wanted to use the input, you would have to load up the software. The software runs in the background. It, really, it doesn't use any CPU really, um, but you have to do it. And that's fine. I got used to that. Uh, I just made a shortcut for it. And one time I booted it up and my mic started working, which is great. It's more than I can say for it now. It doesn't work at all. But the output, Windows had turned the left channel all the way to zero and left the right channel at its normal volume. So I thought my IEMs were dead. And then I tried other headphones, same thing. It took me ages to work out that actually going into the software, the sounds, uh, the Windows sounds settings, you yeah, could yeah. see right there on the screen, left channel was on zero, right channel was on four. And I was like, why, why is that a thing? Like, why do we, why does this, <laughs> it's 2022, you know, like yep. we've got the Apple M1, which is basically a glorified mo uh, mobile phone CPU that's running rings yeah, around is. Intel i9s and Ryzen mm -hmm. 9s and stuff. We've got that. Uh, you know, and then we've got the RTX 4000 series, which is looking to be unbelievable. And we still have issues in Windows. And, and don't even get me started on Bluetooth sound in Windows. Bluetooth, <laughs> Windows Bluetooth yeah, that one is, is terrible. just unreal. It's terrible. I, I like Windows for the navigational freedom. I'll say this. But in terms of obviously system stability, I will give it to macOS. It's been stable and solid as a rock right and i think it's one of those things where when something works so well you forget to praise how well it works compared to when you notice how bad something is so i i do give it that i do give it that. i do give it that but um yeah i mean back to the original one like i said my main camera sony a7s3 
um, my my lighting kit and understand the lighting. And the one I least like to admit because it's retired my PC. And if it wasn't for how hmm. unique and consistently I do live streams every week with multi cameras with my PC because it supports PCI Express capture cards. I would be even more furious that this little laptop retired my whole chunky PC that I spent X amount on, on a 12 core processor, X amount on a 3000 G um, series GPU. You know, I'm like, how? It makes no sense. And I can do this all from a coffee shop without being plugged in. Yeah. And it's not yeah. going to break a sweat. It's still, it's still going to be si silent to the point where I've even been able, it's even giving me more creative headroom to edit my let's just say camera comparisons or certain videos in a certain way, because I just couldn't do that on my PC either. It was just gonna bog down to you quick. Playback wasn't good on the timeline, which matters so much more to me than render times, right? Yeah. And export yeah. times. That I'm like, it puts you off having to try anything creatively different with your videos. Cause it's like, I just don't want this computer to break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And you're thinking, why should you worry about a fifth gen 12 core CPU and all of this worried about breaking and you just have to give credit for what they've been able to do with this laptop where it's like, I'm not the Apple person, but I, I hate to admit this. I loved using this thing. It's amazing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, um, speaking to that, uh, interesting fact, this is a, a first, a world's first because um, I haven't posted this anywhere else, but uh, fingers crossed everything goes well. I am actually, and you're not going to believe this, I can see your jaw dropping before I even, we haven't even got webcams on. Uh, I am switching from the Blackmagic Pocket 6K and the A7 III to a Canon C200. So, oh, damn. Um, so yeah, I managed to get one at a really, really good price. Uh, I'm still waiting okay. for delivery. But essentially, I get, we were talking about lighting. This is what got me... Um, sort of jogged my memory i have recently been sort of playing with lighting playing with audio and come to the conclusion that i don't need all the black magic's cool image quality uh, the black magic produces some of the best imagery you can get especially in a camera under five grand but it's inconveniences and it's not that inconvenient but things that i would like it to do it doesn't do and even, uh, and actually this is in a similar vein, I've been using the Sony a7 III for most of my videos for like the mm. past two or three months. Uh, the Blackmagic has been used for a bit of A-roll, um, but aside from that, really not been used all that much. So instantly, 100 megabit per second footage would be fine. And I think the Canon does 140 or 150, so it doesn't really matter. But if you can get your exposure right, get your lighting right, get your audio right, the, you know you're actually going to make the video look 90% as good than if you were to just use a camera that has a really good quality sensor, but actually you don't, let's say you don't play with the lighting and you don't get creative in that sense. Um, mm. And the, the, the things that I really wanted, there are a few things I really wanted. I wanted uh, any kind of 4K image, I don't really mind, and the, the C200 puts out a good mp4 i'm not going to use the raw i'm just going to use mp4 uh, actually yeah. fun fact i've been using exclusively 4k prores on the black magic for the past like two months i haven't even shot any raw um i wanted integrated full-size xlr um which it has to very box. useful very uh, so I want, i'm going to have essentially a switch that allows me to have it plugged into my interface to go into my mac but it also allows me to run the cable straight into my my uh, canon camera uh 
I wanted a heavier setup that didn't cause or didn't require a load of rigging with different like arms and cables and stuff. The C200 yeah. is a nice way. It's not too heavy, but it's good enough. Four, I've been using the autofocus on the A7 III and the C200 has good autofocus. It may not quite be as good as the A7 III, uh, but it's, it's good enough uh, and it's uh, something that I use exclusively for A-roll. Just really useful to have. Yeah, and then the main thing, the thing that I want, I've wanted for the past three or four years, is built-in ND filters. Uh, I just, yeah. I hate fiddling with ND filters. It's not like I'm too good for them, you know. I don't feel like I'm on a, on my high horse about them, because um, you can get some really nice ND filters, but I just can't be bothered with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if I, as we were talking about earlier, if you can, you know, reduce the friction in the time you use to create stuff it usually means that your stuff is coming out better um so yeah actually i've got a couple of videos coming out on a second channel that i might launch that are essentially going to be why i downgraded technically downgraded from the pocket 6k to the c200 and because it is known to have a considerably worse image but you just get more of the creature comforts more of the niceties um and it's actually got more of the dslm qualities to it than i think a lot of people realize you know even though it is packaged as like a broadcast cinema camera thing it has a lot of uh useful um consumer features in there that you might not expect from a camera that looks like that if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i I do i do i didn't realize that was going to be the switch up as a very interesting switch up yeah i mean i i I got the whole package i mean this is this pod's going out before i take delivery of it which is at the weekend so i mean this all might change but um i got the whole package for 2300 pounds and really yeah and those two cameras that i have uh, that i will be selling will more than cover that it might actually allow me to get a nice lens to go with it um so yeah got it for a good deal it's got like a load of scratches all over it and the screen has like a big scratch in it but i don't really care about that stuff if it produces a good enough quality image and it's it's decent enough to use so we'll see fingers crossed uh, but i got a really good deal on that and actually they had three or four of them i think maybe a production company had given because i bought it from mpb i think a lot of the uh, a production company must have sold them a load like a package deal and they all went within like I think it was three or four days they were all listed for. They all disappeared. I think like there might have been five bodies up there and it all went within that time frame because um, it's like nice. a crazy good price for, for what that is. That's cheaper than that's cheaper than just the A7 Mark IV yep. Um, yep. body only. That's that's cheaper than getting an A7 IV body only. I'm surprised. I know like it's a much older, you know, cinema C-series um, yeah. Canon body, but... You know, it, I think it does things like um, it does internal um, um, raw. It does, yeah. Uh, Canon, Canon cinema, cinema, cinema raw light, um, and I think it does have like the face only autofocus. Where I think it does this thing where if you are tracking the face and you move out, it doesn't just pulse into the background; it just hangs there yes, until you come yeah, you're back. Right. Like it's very, uh, it does, it does those little things that really just make a difference. So I didn't realize you could get that that low. I mean, they're, they're currently the on. E- I mean, they're a little bit more on eBay. On eBay, they're like sort of twenty eight hundred, twenty seven hundred. Even still, um, even still. But yeah, I've, I've been looking for a while. I wanted one ever since they came out. So hopefully, this one's all right. If I get 
you know, if I really like it and I'm enjoying it and it works well, I might replace the screen on it because you can get replacement monitors like the replacement screen part because um, this one's a little bit scratched up. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. I was looking at the A74, but it doesn't have those kind of that's kind of the whole reason I'm, I was switching to a C200 in the first place is to have those built-in NDs, have that form factor with the crazy battery life, um, be able to sort of rig it out in an easier way and have the uh, have the um, the built-in XLRs as well. So we'll see, you know, but uh, it's an exciting time. Nice, nice. Congrats on that, man. Congrats on that. Thanks. That's, that's, a, that's actually a clutch. That's more of a clutch buyer. I would never have thought even a body like that would be cheaper than an A7 Mark IV, you know, which is mm -hmm. one of the cameras I have. So yeah, no, that's that's a good switch up. And like you will, you will appreciate those one man shooting features that help with things like autofocus. And obviously having, having built-in NDs is clutch. I mean, your environment of shooting, you seem to have help here and there where you can do more outdoor B-roll yeah, more yeah. continuously, you know, so that will benefit you more in terms of quick turnaround time as well and just keeping like a consistent clean image. Yeah, nice one, man. Nice one. We'll, we'll see how it is. We'll, we might do, we might have to do a separate episode keep, talking about that. Um, yeah, keep me posted. But, uh, but yeah, so let's go back to you for a second. Um, and this is a question I wanted to ask to, because uh, it kind of ties in with what we've been, we've been talking about. Uh, and it's something that I've spoken about with a couple of friends recently. A7 IV versus A7S III. I know you love your A7S III, but you've kind of, you make enough money from it that it kind of warrants the purchase, right? Would you say that for the, let's say a YouTuber around my size, or maybe a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller, like around there, is the A7S III worth it that much more to someone who isn't necessarily interested in crazy dynamic range or external raw, anything like that? Um, but wants most of what the A7S III does. Yeah, yeah. The only downside to the A7 IV is just a mandatory 1.5x crop when you shoot 4K60. Okay. I'm just I'm just someone that I'm against not having the option to crop myself. If I'm forced into like a heavy crop, um, I wouldn't want the additional crop to be any more than 1.3x. And you think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But I've been in enough situations where it's annoyed me to change how I shoot enough where it's slowing me down when I want to get something done at high quality but quicker. So so long as you know how to manage the fact that when you shoot in 4K60, um, it does crop in at 1.5x and you don't have a choice, it would do that mandatory. You can't switch that off. Right, Whereas okay. when you're shooting 4K30, 4K24, you have the option to apply that crop yourself, which gives you the shooting freedom that you want in certain situations. Away from that, there's actually nicer life quality of life features on the A7 IV compared to the A7 III because oh, really? it came out after, yeah. Okay. So it's got like a shutter closure after you turn the camera off so that huh. you, it minimizes dust getting onto the shutter. Right, That's not on right. the A7S III, which is annoying. It's got like a synchro scan variable shutter where you can actually change the shutter speeds in very, very incremental bits, like in 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.2 bits. Mm. And you think, why is that useful? I go to a lot of trade shows where light flicker is such a pain. Mm -hmm. And when you can switch on that variable um, shutter speed, you can actually match the flicker of the light and disperse of that so that your footage looks clean and doesn't have that odd light flicker, yeah. which is a really nice quality of light feature as well. 
And there's also something called breathing, lens breathing compensation. So a lot of the first party Sony lenses that support it have a lot of focus breathing and it's built in where with those supported lenses, it stops it from focus breathing. So if you're ever doing product shots where you wanted to do like a pull focus and you wanted the lenses to behave like they were parafocal, like a proper quality cinema lens, yeah. you can do that on the a7 IV. And then obviously what I've got is I've invested in the XLR K3M because Sony have their multi-interface electronic hot shoe. So it gives me two XLR inputs and I just directly just record XLR audio with my shotgun mic or my XLR based, you know, condenser or dynamic microphones straight into the camera. So I would, I would actually recommend that to be the highest level YouTube camera to get for YouTube. And then below that would be something like an A7C because that's also full frame. It allows for unlimited recording and you have eye autofocus and all the other stuff with it as well. And it's really nice and compact for a full frame camera. So yeah, I agree. I agree. The A7S III, you really have to justify it. Uh, you know, to go from 2,400 to 3,800 mm -hmm. for body only, that's a jump. You really have to know not just what you're doing, but all the situations that you're in where you need full frame 4K 60, full frame one, one, 4K 120, absolutely no overheating, and just a camera that is just a workhorse. And of course, if you've got like something like what I've got, which is an Atomos Ninja 5, and you want to shoot ProRes RAW, yeah. and you have the software that does ProRes RAW, i.e. Premiere Pro to an extent, but mostly Final Cut Pro, yeah, that's the way to go. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So the so there are like tangible benefits to the A7S3, but for the most part, you're better off just going with the A7 IV. Yeah, you get some odd, nice quality of light features as well. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, um, I think that's probably about where we'll leave it off. Uh, we did actually. Get, I feel like it was your intention to get through the questions quickly, just so we could talk about video game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so uh no i really appreciate you coming on the podcast my man uh second episode seems to be going pretty well uh we've got two for two i think we did pretty well um uh, where can the wonderful people find you uh online honestly thanks for having me as per usual it's a, it's an honor and a privilege as always and it's always nice to catch up but yes main place that you can find me is of course at youtube dot com forward slash lover of tech that's l-o-v-e-r-o-f-t-e-c-h all as one word together if you search all the separate words in the youtube search it should be the first youtube channel that pops up i'm also on twitter as well lover of tech ba all as one words instagram lover of tech underscore ba as well those would be the main places that you will tend to find me quite active and of course you sound you can search for sam mobile as well on youtube sam mobile tv um, that's a uh, that's s a double m o b i l e tv and that should pop up as i'm the lead host and video producer for there as well but yeah that's me nice thanks for thanks for coming on ben uh, and thanks for you to li for listening um let's uh let's see if we can get this podcast to actually come off the ground instead of recording five episodes and then bombing out um uh, thanks all for listening and catch you later